what a morning to celebrate. What a morning to celebrate, really. Like, I, it's, I, was, I was saying to, just as we were praying this morning, you know, I'm, I've been here for a year, but I'm still, I'm still very new, right? Like, there's, there, is, there is a whole part of this journey that we have been on as a church that I just, I, was, I have not been here for, right? And, and yet I'm here in this moment on our last Sunday in this room. And, you know, for, for most of us, it's, it's hugely exciting, right? like for what's coming. But there's probably a ton of feelings in the room. It's like, this is exciting, but like I grew up here, right? Like it's, it's, it's this interesting joy and kind of this, probably this sense of grieving at the same time as you walk out these doors. But sitting in this room and worshiping with you guys today, I, I, just, I just want to commend you guys for having the approach of what does God want from us? Even if that means leaving my building behind. Like that, that's not a small thing. So I just want to honor you guys that we are at this point because people were obedient to what God was doing. Right? Like, we get to, I get to sit in a chair up here because people behind me were good stewards of what God was doing and led into this moment here. So I say thank you to you and honor you, but also honor and thank you to the people that, like Tim and Luke, who have said yes to King Jesus from the very beginning without this weekend in sight. Right? Like it was, eventually we're going to get there, but we're saying yes to King Jesus now. Right? And, and I get to sit here because of men and women like that that said yes to King Jesus. So much honor and love in the name of Jesus to all of you guys. And it is a gift to be here leading into what's coming next. Not leaving what's behind, but we get to walk into what's next because of what has already happened. Right? That's awesome. I'm excited. Well, we have come out of, or we're kind of still slightly in the midst of a major disruption in our world. It's nice to see your smiles. It's nice to see your smiles. But we can now say that we have lived in the time of a global pandemic. Not every generation gets to say that. And I'm de I don't think that's something we can, like, brag about. But, but it's true, right? Like, we have lived in the time that not everybody gets to live in. For instance, my daughter, Olive, even though she's only 14 months old, she does not know a world without COVID-19. Right? Like, whoa. She, she probably won't remember. But, you know, most of you, she met for the first time with masks on. She was born into a world smacked in the face with a global pandemic. Jesse and I were talking the other day trying to remember the week leading up to COVID kind of shutting down the world. And I don't know what you guys were doing. Jesse and I weren't even here yet. But I remember Monday or Tuesday. Now, just as a backstory, I am not much of a news watcher. I like to know what's going on, but I don't, I don't have CNN going in the background or whatever at my house. But I remember Monday or Tuesday starting to hear kind of this progression of chatter about this thing called COVID. It's like, oh, interesting. Then as the week progressed, it just started to get, do you remember? It started to get more and more intense, more and more serious. And you're kind of like, oh, this is actually like 
close to home now, right? And then all of a sudden, Sunday hit. We may not have been shut down. I honestly can't remember. But the, the world looked drastically different from Monday to Sunday. So many things can happen during a disruption. All of a sudden, life can look so different. A very, like, very beautiful things can happen during a disruption, but there are also some very dark things that can happen in a disruption. We may or not have seen, may not have seen, like, the full impact of COVID on our island, but as much as some other places, but across our world. Now, I'm going to give you some stats, and don't throw food at me, because there's probably a lot behind these stats. You can have your opinions. Let's just get that out of the way now. Scott Ingalls, what? Um, I say that in love. (laughs) I'm joking. But somewhere around, now, not just, I know some of these stats aren't simply just COVID-related. There's a lot going into these stats. But a COVID-related death, there was around 4.2 million deaths. And around 114 million jobs lost in the world. That's a lot. Wherever you land on your theories and your opinions about COVID-19, this has been a disruption. You know, whether it's, it's all black and white or there's some major gray areas, either way, this has been a major disruption. Disruptions of this magnitude tend to reveal ways of life and systems that may not have been as strong as we thought. It didn't take long for the global economy to kind of take a dive and basically become very unstable. You look at gas prices that dropped significantly, and for a moment you think, oh, this is kind of nice. And then, then you really start to unpack why they're dropping. And things get to, they feel very freaky. Disruptions take our normal, and they put our normal into a jar, and they seal it up, and they shake it up and kind of dump out what remains. Disruptions take what we thought was certain or what we thought was true or what we thought was going to be the outcome and they can sometimes leave us with a giant question mark, can't they? Some disruptions like, like falling in love can change our life for the, in the best way, really. I remember meeting Jessie and getting to know her as a person and learning more and more about her and building a friendship It very quickly turned into romance because I wouldn't leave her alone. (laughs) Oh, geez. We won't talk about that part. (laughs) But it quickly became apparent to me that this relationship was not going to leave my life the same. Like, that is a very beautiful thing. My life, because of this, this, this interaction with this human being that I love, my life is never going to be the same again. But then there are other disruptions. Like a business deal gone bad or a report from a doctor that we didn't expect or maybe unfaithfulness in our marriage or whatever that dark news may be, that definitely can change our life forever, but it's not in the way we thought. Disruptions can lead to great joy, but they can also lead to a lot of pain and a lot of disappointment, can't they? Disruptions. We're going to start a new series today, and I, I would say it's even more than just a series. Over the next season as a church, we're going to explore, and we're going to explore deep the person of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of it. 
And then we're going to spend some time exploring what, what does that actually mean for us? What is it about the person of Jesus that actually makes us who we are? What is it about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus that actually changes who we are and makes us who we are? So as we move into this next several months of teaching, and if not longer than that, we could kind of be, I know this is going to be kind of doing a little bit of assuming, but we could kind of split ourselves up into like three different groups. One, maybe you've been following Jesus for a really long time. You know, you've been a Christian for as long as you can remember from the moment that you were aware of making a decision. You made a decision to follow Jesus. And that has been most of your known life. Two, there are some of you who are exploring. Maybe at some point you wanted to follow Jesus and you even did. But you left that behind and yet something seems to maybe be drawing you back. Or something, maybe this disruption of COVID has just really sparked a, there's got to be more going on. And then third, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus at all, and we're glad you're here. We love that you're here. Join the conversation. Or maybe even mentioning the word Jesus or church is actually a trigger word for you. And there's a ton of pain and hurt as soon as I start talking about that stuff. And that's very real. And I see that. That's very real. As we step into this next season, because the challenge is for all of us, all three groups, the challenge is the same. May we have the courage to lay down what we think we may know and be in a, in a place to receive something new from King Jesus. Would we have the courage to be teachable? And may we see that God has something new to reveal to us that we may not have been seeing this entire time? Because that's, that's really been the journey I've personally been on for the last 10 or 15 years or more. God inviting me time and time again as soon as I, awesome, God, I got it. <laughs> that's not a good sign. That's usually a sign that something's changing. God inviting me to lay the things down that I think I know. The answers I think I have to be taught something brand new that gives me the full picture. Because oftentimes it's not necessarily something wrong. Maybe it is. More times than not, it's an incomplete picture. Maybe there's more going on. Time and time again, God has had something brand new to show me if I only had the courage to lay it down. Would you explore that with me over this next season? I really feel like the Lord has something for us. To really understand the origin story of Jesus, let's jump in. We need to enter into the story of the Hebrew people, the children of Israel. There's really no other way around it. Spoiler alert, North Americans, we are not the center of the story. We are, most of the time we are the center of the story. In this story, we are not. We are not the center of the story. The story of God and his people, his creation, humanity happens within this family, the children of Israel, the Hebrew people. It starts in the garden with Adam and Eve, the symbolic mother and father of all humanity. God creates humanity and gives them a purpose or almost like a reason for living. Partnering with him in creating a beautiful world. He uses the term, and we've talked about this recently, ruling and reigning. This is, this is royalty type of language. 
stewarding God's creation, filling the world with their creator, basically being kings and queens in the world, but ruling in the ways of God. But humanity, if you know the story, humanity messes it up. We think we can rule better than God, and so we take over and we mess things up. But God is faithful, and God is good. He calls, if you remember, the man Abraham, and and he says basically to Abraham, through your family, through your descendants, I am going to bless you, not just for you though, but this is going to be a blessing that's meant to spread, and it's actually going to heal what humanity had once ruined. Through your family, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to, you are going to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. But (laughs) humanity messes it up again. Over and over again, humanity takes the promise, this, this mandate, this purpose from God to partner and create and be a blessing to the world, but we, we do it our own way. No, we've got it from here, God. We're better at this than you. This is where Jesus enters the story. At this time, the Hebrew people are under a form of slavery, as we've been talking about in Ephesians, under a, a, a slavery uh, of the Roman Empire. Throughout their history, the children of Israel have either been kings or queens, or they have been slaves. And when they find themselves in slavery, it's because of what they have done. Time and time again, it's the way they decide to rule, okay, God, we've got it from here, that ends up being their ruin. So let's jump in together. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew chapter 1? Oh, listen to those pages turn. Mm. I like having my, I, I, I could put the scripture on, on my iPad here. I like, having, I like having my Bible with me. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to spend the rest of the time in the genealogy. I'm just joking. <laughs> Verse 18. You're like, please, John, don't. Actually, before we go any further, would you pray with me one more time? God, we just, we, we acknowledge your presence in the room. Holy Spirit, would you, would you illuminate our minds? Would you reveal something new to us today? Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, as the Bible's way of saying, consummating their marriage. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to, inv- to divorce her quietly. Quick side note, Mary and Joseph are not in the 21st century. They are very much in the first century, which a, a child being born out of a, a type of marriage would be a, a mass. I'm talking, saying a public disgrace is kind of a nice way of saying it. This, this was a big deal. Joseph had every right, not even just in the, like the Roman Empire. I'm talking like in the community of God. It's not right, but it's just the way humanity tends to take things over. She would have, she could have, it could have gone so far as to be killed for this. This is a big deal. 
But after he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because Joseph would have thought, okay, if my wife is pregnant and it wasn't me, who are you looking at this week, right? Like, likely story, it was the Holy Spirit. Nice try, right? right? Like, let's, these are two real human beings this is, this is a messy story. But, but the Holy Spirit, the angel comes from the Lord and says, no, no, that's not what happened, Joseph. That's not what happened. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Normally we read this story in December because we celebrate Christmas, which is beautiful. Reading the story outside of this context is really interesting. The story of Jesus has so much sentimental value and tradition of the feel-good Christmas, which is great, but sometimes we lose the significance and disruption of this account because we always read it kind of in that, in that Christmas-esque feel. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This line really sums up the entire gospel of Matthew. We read this in a different light um, than if we were in the first century, if we were, if we were a part of the Jewish audience. Remember, remember the backstory I just gave a few moments ago. Their lived experience was that they were in need of a savior. They were in need, and I don't even mean Jesus the Messiah Savior. They were in need of saving physically. We need to understand what their meaning of the word saving is. Because their lived experience was slavery. So from their point of view, from the reader's point of view, when they say saving from their sins, what, do, what, what are these readers picking up on? What, do they, what are they reading into this? Their concept of salvation tends to be a little bit more all-encompassing than our, our definition can tend to be. Sometimes we simply mean go to heaven when we die, right? Like when we read that, it's like, okay, great. Jesus came so that we can go to heaven. I got my ticket. I'm good to go. Okay, well, the Jewish audience, the people who were reading this and who it was for, and, and many far smarter men and women than I would argue this as well. Salvation was a present thing just as much as it was a future thing. It was a restoring and a, and a healing of a few things. It was a healing of our relationship to God, our relationship to ourselves, our relationships to each other, and our relationship to the world around us. It was an all-encompassing salvation a better way to really understand the word salvation is to actually understand it as healing, restoring. If this is how we understand save people from their sins in the, in the context of this Hebrew story, then Jesus really is the climax of the Hebrew story. Everything's been leading to this moment. Over and over again, God gave the Hebrew people a chance to partner with him and be healing and restoring the world, but humans, human beings, they couldn't just get there on their own. Through different kings and queens and rulers and systems, they just couldn't get there. Jesus disrupts this direction. 
and does what humanity could never do on their own. Jesus, God with us, God invading the human story to restore and heal their all-encompassing existence. Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, saving people from their sins. Now, saving in that verse 21, she will give birth to, the, to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. In the English, this, this just sounds like a normal sentence, but as I was talking to Andrew Michelle yesterday, sometimes English is boring. And when you go and understand the way this was truly written, this is just amazing play on words where Jesus is actually the Greek word or the Greek name of the Hebrew word Yeshua or Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So this is really interesting because in the verse he's saying, his name means the Lord saves, but Jesus is the one who is saving people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, God with us. God, through Jesus, saving people from their sins. Now let's bring this into the 21st century in our time. Saying that we are in need of help or saving or healing is not a popular message in our culture today. I'll nerd out on you for a moment. I love history. Bear with me. In the 17th century, it was a time in history called the Enlightenment. Now, we, we, dive, into this, we dive into this time period and we, and we realize, whether we like it or not, now in this present time, we live in the aftermath of the Enlightenment period. Now, in this time, this was massive progression in government, all different ty types of government, mathematics, science, even the arts. These were amazing moves forward, especially in medicine, in other forms of, of science. But in this time in, in human history, what came out of it was this ideology that the answer to all of our problems is human progression. Like out of this time of great understanding and discovery and science and math and, 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 and medicine, the answer became, well, if we just get better, that's how we're gonna save ourselves. Basically, we can be our own savior. Before the Enlightenment, even thinkers that were not followers of Jesus, they all very readily agreed humanity on their own is an absolute mess. <laughs> Whether we call it God or not, we need something outside of ourselves to save ourselves. But after the Enlightenment, things really started to change. It changed all of that. In our time, that message is very much alive and well. We create truth, we create what is right and wrong, we create our own salvation a lot of the time, don't we? To say or admit the fact that humanity does not have all the answers is very countercultural right now. It's not a fun fact. But let me ask this question What if real freedom came from admitting that I am not my own savior? What if real freedom came from acknowledging the truth that I am actually in need of help? That would be a great disruption in the way we live right now. Yeah, that would be a major disruption. The birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, is God interrupting humanity's attempt 
to keep trying to be their own savior, to rule the way they want, because it keeps leading to slavery over and over again. Basically, it's not working. The world we live in right now shows human progression is not the answer. See, when God created the world, when he created us, the beautiful design was that God was going to live with humanity as one. There was this beautiful community together where humanity and God were partnering in the world, making something new. But that story comes to a beautiful fruition in the, in the person of Jesus. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about Adam and then also talking about, talking about Jesus. For since death came through a man, talking about Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, talking about Jesus. For as in Adam all die, because of what happened, because of humanity deciding I can do this my own way, and, and death and sin entering the story, so in Christ, in Jesus, all will be made alive again. See, the story is coming full circle and Jesus is coming to do what we couldn't do. Paul is basically saying, in Adam we experience death, life without this unity with God. But in Jesus, we experience a brand new beginning. Where Jesus restores what was once lost. Bringing life back. Eternal life. So this morning, as we, as we continue to explore, and we're gonna, we are going to explore deep the person of Jesus. His life, his death, his coming to life again. May we start with this question. May we start with this question. Where are we trying to be our own savior? If you could look at your life, and I don't just mean like I get up in the morning and I have a coffee. But like really, really, really take the microscope to your own soul for a minute. Where are you trying to be your own savior? Where am I trying to be my own savior? You know, the person, or sorry, the anger that maybe always seems to rise up in you. And no matter what you, you do, no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to not be angry. Or maybe it's the person in your past that would say that you were worthless. And you've been trying to earn approval year after year and you're still alone. You keep trying to, to beat this addiction, but you can't seem to stop going back to it time and time again. And you just feel like you're at the end of yourself. Or maybe you're lonely and you feel like nobody wants you. So when everybody goes to bed, you go online and you look at the thing you're not supposed to be looking at. You just can't get out of that cycle. Whatever you're trying to do to save yourself from, what if trying your hardest or positive thinking wasn't the thing that was going to save you? What a disruption. What a disruption. Jesus said this amazing thing in John 14. Over the years, this, this verse has stood out to me. And it's so cool because Michelle actually read it this morning. So thank you, God. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The invitation from Jesus is like nothing else. Nothing compares to his peace, his love, his freedom. No never-ending zeros on the end of your bank account. 
Not the retirement fund that's going to set you up for the next 50 or plus years of your life. Nothing comes from the like nothing comes close to comparing to the peace from Jesus. Yes, admitting that we need rescue, that we are in need of saving is hard. It strips us of every false god and every false savior that we've tried creating on our own. But it leads to real life in a way and it takes the pressure off. Jesse and I were talking about this the other day and I was even talking to Michelle about it too. Admitting that I'm not good enough or that I don't have all the answers is actually a very freeing thing. Do you, do you right? Man, there are moments when if I try to create my own peace or try to create my own well-being or my own joy, that's a ton of pressure. Do you, have you ever been in that place where you're just at the bottom and you just feel like, okay, I, if I just, okay, positive thinking time, I just gotta, I gotta dream it all away. That's exhausting. You can live like that if you want, but the invitation from Jesus is, what if you were never meant to be that for yourself in the first place? What if, what if your, your real life was going to be lived by loving me and giving me your everything? This, yeah, this last year and a half has been such a disruption. Fear has been a lived reality for most of us. Do you agree? I just feel like everything that I've been hearing over and over again, whether it's news or not, it's tough to be aware of, yes, and it's important to know and be careful, but fear has been, I feel like, at the center of most of it. But you know what I think? At least this did this for me. It reminded me how much I am not in control. <laughs> you know, it doesn't... It, COVID-19, whatever natural disaster, that is so out of our control. Now, we live in a very modern world, and I'm going to end with this. We live in a very modern world, and that's, that's amazing. It has, we are connected more than we ever have, which is awesome. We've been able to be online, which is so amazing in the time where we couldn't meet together, and that's a huge gift. But all of that, all the technology, all the medicine, all the medical advancements, all of it, all of it cannot answer the deepest ache of our soul. Who am I? Why do I have breath in my lungs? What do I do with pain or disappointment? God has never stopped disrupting us because he loves us and he wants us to know all the saving, all the healing, all the fulfillment is found in him. That's the disruption of Jesus coming. Is okay, I'm entering the story. I am going to come and we're going to, we're going to, this is just intro. We're going to dive deep into this in weeks to come. But Jesus coming to save people from their sins is the beginning of real freedom. It's saying, I don't have to be my own savior. It's letting that disruption actually shake us up. And you know what the amazing thing is? I was saying this in pre-gathering prayer. I was, I was feeling the Lord pressing this on my soul this week, thinking, Oh, man, somebody's really got to hear this this week. And all week, I'm just like, I'm the person that needs to hear it this week, God. Right? Because even for those of us, that first group that have been living in a relationship with Jesus for most of our life, we are never, we are never in a place where we stop needing Jesus to be our Savior. Amen? Time and time and time again, it is a daily reminder, God, on my own, I would make a mess of this. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you love me, that you invite me into real life with you. I am nothing without you, God. There's, there's freedom in being a child of God. Like Adeline, when she's walking around with me, there's, not, there's no care in the world. Mommy and Daddy got it. What if that's the life that God is inviting us into with him? King Jesus got He's got it. I'm a child of the king. That doesn't mean you live complacent and there's no worries. I, I understand adult life is intense. But what if, what if at the beginning of all of that is peace with King Jesus? What if that's the beginning? 